something funny. Ha 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 ha. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an accidental clip. Yes. Oh, it's too much pressure for banter these days. It's ridiculous. I know. Um, I know. You go. You, everything's always got to be a bloody performance, doesn't it? I know. I know. That's what we do. We, it's, it's a life we've chosen. It's the theatre. It's the theatre. Yeah. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to The Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today, you can listen to our other episodes on a whole range of nerdy topics now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and now on SoundCloud. My name is Chris Buick and I'm joined by my friend and fellow nerd, Toby. How are you, Tobias? Tobias? Oh, the formality. I'm good, Christopher. I'm very good. Or is it Chris? It's Chris. Um, oh no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. You were not to the iPhone in you. You phoned in me. That's that's how it has to be. You know. Um, I I have a rule that only my mum can call me Christopher because you know she picked it. Um, yeah. but uh, anyone else, I'm just like, mm, no. You get one, and that's it. I mean, I don't. I genuinely don't mind, but I prefer Chris. Yeah. Um, you, Toby, or Tobias? Are you not? Well, well, I was gonna say we're really giving the insight into our personalities now. Mm. I go by Toby, but it's muscle memory for Tobias because. Because anytime I get a phone call from like work or something like that, they say Tobias. And then if I say Toby, it's like, oh, hi, this is Toby. They get, they seemingly get very confused. And also my name, despite the fact it's just Tobias, it seems like a relatively simple name. My entire childhood, this is the therapy session coming out now. <laughs> my entire childhood was some variation of Tobias or Tobias or something. And I was just like, it's just Toby. Just call me Toby. Just Toby. It's really too complicated for you fools. Yeah, I get the same with my surname. So my surname is obviously Buick, which is a car, uh, yeah. obviously. Uh, and Americans have no problem with it because obviously they are very familiar with uh the Buick and yeah. uh, anyone who's read Stephen King, because the Buick is in pretty much tons of his books. So, yeah. um, but I said to my wife when she got married and took my name, I was like, "You will now have a lifetime of spelling that name instantly." <laughs> as soon as you say it, so as soon as you say, "Oh, it's Chris Buick," B U I C K, they go, "Is that Buick? Buick? Buick?" And I was like, and then my friend was like, "You know, it's like quick with a B." And I was like, "So it is." So that's what I say now. It's quick with a B. Oh, um, nice. So yeah. Um, well. <laughs> there's a little insight into our names um uh we are here this week not to talk about the etymology of our names but um seamless as always <laughs> so we are we are here this week to go back to our roots a little bit we are moving away from some of the bigger movies we've been reviewing recently and to go back to our comic book roots where we're going to talk about the release of the latest dc animated movie uh, Batman, the doom that came to Gotham based on the comic book of the same name. Um, and we'll also have a bit of nerd news as well before we get into that. But Toby, I do have an important question. Yes. Um, seeing as it's nearly Easter, um, I think it's important that everyone knows what your Easter egg game is like when it comes to Easter. Are you. My, my Easter egg game? Yeah, your favorite Easter egg, how many are you eating, what kind oh, of. I was what... going to say copious and just all the diabetes i can get just are you not you're not one of those people that just has one and then it's like oh one's enough you have no come on (laughs) yeah look at my picture i'm gigantic (laughs) (laughs) i i i have all the eggs i have got a huge soft spot for uh, the aero eggs okay all about favorites i i love a cadbury's cream though yeah, Cadbury's cream is good you get many eggs inside it and you can get them all year round as well Hmm. I don't limit it to Easter. I'm just a fat git, you know, so I just... <laughs> yeah, Easter is definitely that time you can go, yeah, it's Easter, I can have chocolate. It's like Christmas, you know, when you can say, I can eat what I want. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have that actually most of the year, generally, so... Yeah, just unabashed, um, just chocolate yeah. eating. Yeah, so arrows are good too for you? Yeah, I love a good arrow. Arrow's good. Yeah. I do like it. I think arrow's an underrated chocolate. I feel like it doesn't get enough love. Aero. Yeah, I mean, they don't... I mean, my favourite's chocolate bar, if we get it's getting so personal today is yeah. the old crunchy or a dime bar really really niche yeah crunchy is many people's favorites mine would be a whisper gold it's got to be a whis- i do like nice. a whisper gold yeah it's just the velvety caramel oh so good so good. <laughs> I, can, I, I, I i i do but i i'm going to say something controversial here i prefer galaxy chocolate to cadbury's just Ooh. saying um my wife 
hates when I say that because really? she's like, "Who have I married?" Um, I think my girlfriend would probably say the same. Not not as in uh, who is she married? Because uh, well, no one has it yet. Awkward. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, as in the uh, the galaxy chocolate is probably her favorite. No, it's good chocolate. I just feel you get more like a nicer texture, but. I don't get me wrong, love Cadbury's. Anyone out there who's listening who thinks I don't, I do like Cadbury's. I just prefer a Galaxy. But, uh, Little but tidbit. I used to live in Birmingham, right down um, in Bourneville, um, back oh, when I was right. at university. So I used to go to the Cadbury's factory and you'd get all the uh, like the trimmings and all the excess chocolate. So you yeah. just come away with this, kind of felt like a drug like sort of deal because you just got this big baggie of chocolate. It's like, yeah, I got a nice score today, mate. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> but interesting, interesting. Yeah, I just thought it's Easter. Be interesting to know. Um, yeah. But we are going to move on to our nerd news now. We're going to start with probably our heaviest topic of nerd news, something that we feel obviously we need to talk about. is very pertinent for the things we talk about week in, week out. Um, obviously, there's only so much we can say or speculate on at this point, um, but this involves the arrest of Jonathan Majors. Um yeah last week on charges with assault and harassment following an incident involving a woman in new york um he has been charged and that's all we know for now the ins and outs of the trials will still be pending as to everything that comes out of that um however i guess from our perspective we will we can look at this as obviously what this means for uh in terms of i guess this isn't the first time something like this has happened in the industry. What do we? No. Nope. Uh, does this kind of? We've touched on things before, but also, what it's does this happening mean? a little bit too much these days? Yeah, it is. It is, and obviously, uh, although it, it, good, good that it's getting um, handled, but yes, bad 100%. that it is coming becoming more prevalent. Yes, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we had the uh, discussion with about Justin Roiland uh, a few weeks ago. However, yeah. that's um, I guess kind of cleared up now a little bit or has been dismissed um but the you're right there is a certain frequency of these kind of things coming through yeah um so i guess from our perspective um it touches on that idea again of what this means for projects these people are involved in that touches on fandom and how people can carry on with that kind of fan being fans of that kind of thing if this if it's embroiled in controversy and also what that means for that franchise in this case probably the biggest in the world right now the mcu what does that mean for going forward so i guess what do we think first of all this means for marvel are they going to just i guess kind of wait and see because obviously they've got a lot riding on jonathan jonathan majors character kag now as the big bad of the mcu so it's not like he's not an integral part what do we think well, I mean, just to start off, it's probably a good thing that he's playing a bad guy. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, oh, I don't know. It's, I think it's a stain in a particular dark period for Marvel. That's really not. It, it. I mean, it's never good in terms of timing. Hmm. But Marvel, I'd probably say, are at their lowest peak. Um, in terms of films, I, it's just been sort of loss after loss after loss. Um, in terms of people's interest, in terms of reviews. Um, so I, I think whilst people are still interested, and I know we're going to talk about another um, project very shortly, mm. but um, I, it's just another hit, another swing for the fences for poor old Marvel, um, who seem to be on a bit of a downward spiral. And I think whilst it's it's if, if this is true, um, then I think they'd be better off not trying to follow DC's route and going sort of full hot with uh, Ezra Miller. I think they'd be better off. (laughs) They're still quite early on. They could recast and sort of get themselves away from this association. Yeah, I guess, because I was going to touch on um, the similarities. They've they've set up the variant side of things. Yes, well, there's that that angle as well. So obviously I was going to touch on the Ezra Miller side of things before because DC had a different approach where obviously Ezra Miller, again, caught up in a lot of controversy. They've they've basically been strong headed about it and marched right forward with yeah. their project, which is you know is their approach and is their mm-hmm. prerogative to do as a studio, rightly or wrongly. We're for the record, we are not obviously we're not here to you know talk legalities or because we're not lawyers, but we don't know no nope. you know the ins and outs of it. We just we're just a couple of nerds. Yeah, we're just a couple of nerds who we're both fans of 
a lot of fandoms, you know, I, I, and I, I look back at for Buffy, for an example. I was, I'm a massive fan of Buffy, and I was yeah. for years. And then, obviously, with the Josh Whedon controversy, it's really hard, I guess, for some people to validate Harry Potter, another one, to validate yeah. your continued, continued appreciation for a fandom that is surrounded in controversy. Yeah. Um, when the studio, like DC, takes an approach of kind of moving forward. It's even harder, I think, for those fans to back a studio that's got that, I guess, direction. Whereas yeah. Marvel take a different approach. You're right; they do have the variant, um, I guess, get out card. I think if we we'll call it that, because well, I think they got the they got the get out card, and I think they're still quite early on. Because if you think about it, he's only really been in two projects. Yes, and Marvel has already had um, a prolific history of recasting. Um, I mean, almost in sort of the first couple of movies, you had uh, Terrence Howard as... Um, yeah, Roddy. Roddy, thank you. And then uh, Don Cheever taken over. And Edward, Edward Norton, Norton well. of course. Yeah, yeah. A, an even bigger character within the MCU. So, I mean, it's not unheard of. And, I mean, they'll also be having Harrison Ford taking over from William um, Hurt as yeah. Uh, yeah. Thunderbolt Ross in the upcoming mm-hmm. Thunderbolts movie. So, it's, it's not unheard of. And I think with... I, I really think this is their get out of jail free card period with this multiverse and variants. You know, um, I know we saw just at the end of Ant Man's credits the uh, the Kang, um, what are the Council of Kangs? Mm-hmm. So there was a hell of a lot of Jonathan Majors, but I mean that was a two or three minute snippet. You could change that. You could edit that. Christ, the next project they could just be like, oh yeah, well. Or, or they could deviate a little bit and just say Kang was the threat, but he's building up to actually Doctor Doom. Yeah. So force their hands a little yeah. bit. I don't know. I think there's there's still early doors into terms of what they can do. I, I think recasting is probably the cleanest option. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's probably the best course of action. But at the same time, it, it all depends on whether or not it comes to light as being true. Yeah, of course. I, I hope it isn't because I, yeah. I quite like him as an actor. Um, but if, if it, if it is true, then I think the best course of action is mm-hmm. Disney to sort of distance themselves. Yeah. yeah. I don't think they're in the hole that they are with, uh, Ezra Miller and DC. No, I, I agree. I think that's their best course of action, whether again, like you say, um, none of this has been, you know, legally proven or, um, gone down that route yet. And, and I'm, and I'm just, I'm not. I'm just stating what I've read is that there are um, statements now being brought to light about the actual, I guess, truth of what happened in those events. But obviously there's a lot going on, so let's not get into that. But I think regardless, Marvel um, have, I guess, it's not a no-brainer decision, but it's a decision they could very easily make and no one would be like, "Mm, you shouldn't have done that. I think they've got a clear okay um this 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 is what we're going to do and like i say it would be valid they'd be valid in their approach to that yeah. so, i think when it comes to those sort of things disney do seem to be relatively mercenary you know gina carano in the mandalorian yeah, yeah. um fired from for her um just tweets yeah tweets quite, her thoughts. Quite, you know provocative treats and quite mm-hmm. controversial in some eyes but uh I think they they don't seem to beat around the bush. I think once they've made a decision in terms of, I think more than anything, it, whether or not the truth is out there or not, that's very X-Files, um, but uh, I think they make a decision whether or not this is going to be good press or bad press, and they sort of f- pull the trigger on that basis. So, you know, it, it may be that they think this is too hot a subject to have him embroiled in, whether or not it's true or not. You know, unfortunately, sometimes when you get that, I think even Justin Roiland said that in his uh, um, sort of post situation tweet where, you know, despite the fact you guys had just assigned that it was true, that's enough bad press in some people's eyes. So on to our next piece of their news, we are going to talk about something much more exciting and much more upbeat. The announcement that Scott Pilgrim is coming back in form to Netflix Developed by Brian Lee O'Malley himself with the original cast. I'm so excited. I can't What a beautiful day for news. Oh, hallelujah. This is this could this could be the most exciting thing I'm excited 
thing I'm most excited for this year. <laughs> so excited. Um, you can't even get the words. Yeah. Out. I haven't seen John White 4 yet, so I'm <laughs> saying that. <laughs> it's great. I know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I know it's great. I haven't even seen it. I know it's great. Um, but, I just like to periodically rub it in. Yeah, I know. Damn you, Walsh. <laughs> um, but yeah, Scott Pilgrim is back. The, the entire cast is back for an animated series based on the comics. Uh, Edgar Wright has even said today that the release is, quote, imminent. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you? Thirty-five. Thirty-five. It's too low. It's too low. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's awesome news. Awesome news to to have the uh, the movie cast coming back to reprise their roles. Is it now? The question I have, because you know a little bit more about it than I do, is it a um, sort of taking the recordings from the movie and then putting it in animated form, or have they re-recorded the lines for the animation? I think this is brand new because obviously where no, awesome. the, where the because obviously there are differences in the comic and the film. Yeah. And I think this is more the comic being recreated. So there'll be parts of um there'll be parts that they'll need to re-record. But as far as I'm aware, this is a brand new project from the Scott Pilgrim universe. See that, that's were. fantastic. I'm a I'm a huge supporter of all things yeah. animation. I mean, I've made 100%. that very clear on this show before, yeah. but I love all things animation and I think the it, it the comic had such a unique art style um that sort of coined it for that period and i think yeah it, the, the movie translated it really well but to sort of yeah, and i think the, the the characters really encapsulated the, the the characters within the sorry did i say characters encapsulated the characters the actors <laughs> encapsulated the characters really well from the comics yeah. so i think having them lend that to an animated format is just gonna just really add fuel to that fire i think it's gonna be fantastic Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's gonna be, it's gonna be great. I love everything Scott Pilgrim. I love the film. I love the comics. Uh, the soundtrack is amazing. I hope they get a lot of the music that they had yeah, from right. the film in there. Um, so yeah, you've got Michael Sarah's back, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Satya Baba's Matthew Patel. They've got even all the smaller characters coming. Obviously, you've got um the main ones, so Kieran Culkin's back, Anna Kendrick, but you've also got um. Uh, Johnny Simmons back as young Neil. Yep. Um, Brie Larson's coming back. Brie Larson's coming back. You know, Chris Evans, uh, Aubrey Plaza. I mean, yep. Ellen, Ellen Wong, you know, they're all... It's such I mean, I've got to say, back then, what a fucking great cast. It was, it was. And they're so on point for their characters. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It, I always go back, I sometimes go back and forth as to my favourite Edgar Wright movie between this and Baby Driver. But I think for me, Scott Pilgrim just hinches it because it's just really, so Baby well Driver. not not one of the cornetto trilogy i'm a sucker for a soundtrack and those yeah. two have the best soundtracks um hot fuzz obviously sean uh world's end all great films love them all but i don't know i just feel that's when um edgar wright took the reins off himself a little bit and thought yeah i'm gonna make a make some really out there so they're all great they're, yeah you can pick I, I guess he kind of got away from the spaced vibes of the corner yeah and yeah of branch out on his own and look spaced is fucking brilliant, brilliant but yeah. um oh i love that <laughs> <laughs> oh so many space quotes just pops into my head right now like, <laughs> babylon fire is a big pal shit. <laughs> um, but before i go down that rabbit hole yeah this is this is going to be awesome i can't the only thing, the only time I can remember something similar was when they did a Napoleon Dynamite series based off the film. That was My Name's Predro, isn't it? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was wasn't. It? At, no, I think it was just called Napoleon Dynamite, but it oh. was a it was an animated series in E4. It ran for like six episodes, and it just doesn't capture the film. Whereas I, I, think, I, I it clearly wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. I always liked Napoleon Dynamite, but I uh, I never really sort of followed through. Like, followed through. Never really followed up with it on anything other format. No, no, it didn't. Uh, it didn't really translate well to a series, but I think this has real potential because obviously the comic books. There are six yeah. of them. Um, there's a lot more in there than there is in the um, in the film. And the film already packs a punch. Yeah, it, you said Netflix, right? Netflix. Yes. I mean, I gotta say, whilst Netflix kind of shit the bed when it comes to movies, their animation quality is fantastic. They, they got one right. Well have done. You, have you ever <laughs> seen? Yeah. Have you ever seen Castlevania? No, not yet. Oh, that, list. that is that is probably one of my favorite animated shows in the last sort of fair few years that that is fantastic and that's netflix's i'd say peak animation 
mm. um, in terms of uh, television. It's fantastic. Yeah. It, well, it says here, in March 2023, it was announced that the series had been officially greenlit with Wright noting that it expanded the Scott Pilgrim universe. So Ooh. I am super excited. So it should have been moist. Yep. <laughs> yep, that's fair. It's very action. Um, speaking of animation, to get, keep us even more excited, we have a new Spider-Verse film coming before oh, we get yeah. um, across the Spider-Verse. So the Spider-Verse team are producing a short film called The Spider Within, which is a brand new original short film um, set in the world of Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and will debut soon. Um, this exciting. There's not many more details about it, but obviously these guys have smashed it before with into the spider-verse yeah. we're super excited for across the spider-verse anything big or small in this kind of yep. realm super here for right oh yeah i mean that that's i think i've said it before that's my anticipated movie of the year without a shadow of a doubt hmm. nine nine times out of ten that's the film i'm looking forward to most yeah um, i and i guess any more content to that is just awesome it just uh, n- now I'm on the speculation train. What's it going to be? Is it going to be about Miguel O'Hara as Spider-Man 2099, or is it going to be I, I, a I, short for Miles? I do, I do have the plot synopsis right here. It says Ooh. in the short, Miles Morales. So there you go. Okay. Struggles to balance his responsibilities as a teenager, friend, and student while acting as Brooklyn's friendly neighborhood superhero. After a particularly challenging day living with these pressures, Miles experiences a panic attack that forces him to confront the manifestations of his his anxiety. God, it's deep. And learn that yeah. reaching out for help can be just a brave an act as protecting his city from evil. Oh wow! Interesting. That is that is what a deep. A, what a message. That is a poignant uh, synopsis yeah. already. Um, they're going places that I think, obviously, and the psyche, I guess, of superheroes and you know the lives they live. This is kind of interesting, you know, about how they deal with that on a day to day. So I yeah. guess that's more looking at the. Uh, person behind the mask rather than you know who he is with it on so yeah that's very interesting i'm very intrigued um yeah, yeah. i mean that's, that sounds cool i mean i think that what's nice about that as well is it gives i guess it gives the movie a little bit more depth because he's sort of he's not just going straight i mean i don't know what the, the the movie is yet but i guess he's going into this now at this point an established spider-man from what's come from the first film and I guess this kind of gives a little touch upon how he's sort of dealing with that everyday pressure. Mm, um, yeah. And you, you get that in the comic books, but I guess in movies, you just kind of need to keep the movie, keep going. So you don't really get the time to spend on the emotional side or the the thoughts behind the actions. And I think that's, that's, that's quite a nice little bit of weight they can give to something like that. Yeah, because I don't. I think we've we 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 do touch on that occasionally in say the MCU. Obviously, when you know the aftermath of say Thanos or Tony's, I guess PTSD. Yeah. You know, um, being in space and stuff after the events of the first Avengers film, it touches on that, but it kind of just then gets washed away in the action of it. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see a short film, however short it is, actually just focus on that as its key as its core element. I yeah, because like the the like you're saying with Iron Man, for example, in Iron Man three, he's like dealing with the ramifications of the Battle of New York, but then it's just as you say, it's like, well, I'm over it now because the the film's got to progress, and I am Iron Man, so that's my way of dealing with everything. Whilst this, it generally sounds like he's reaching out for help, mm. whoever it may be. That would be yeah. interesting. It's a very important message to be sending as well, yeah. which um, you know, I'm all for films doing. You know, if they can get something important to say in there, then all the better so super excited for that one i guess we'll uh find out when that's coming out soon and keep our keep our eyes open i guess um on to something i guess we could potentially be excited about but maybe not is the (laughs) that fence is very high that i'm sitting on yeah the the rewrite of the Fantastic Four, the upcoming Fantastic Four movie as part of the MCU. So the original writers have departed and Josh Friedman, writer of our beloved Avatar, The Way of Water, has, has come on to basically rewrite the upcoming Fantastic Four movie. Um, it's going to be wetter than ever. Josh, uh, Josh Friedman, who's also developed, he developed the Snowpiercer TV series. He wrote Terminator Dark Fate, or has a story credit at least, and he also wrote things like um, 
the Sarah Connor Chronicles. So he has a background in sci-fi, clearly. Mm. Uh, he's also he also wrote the screenplay to War of the Worlds, so he knows sci-fi. Yeah. Fantastic Four, they all wear blue. There's your avatar. <laughs> <laughs> so he's familiar with blue. Um, thoughts? I mean, let's let's face it. He's not the only reason that we didn't like Avatar the way yeah, of water. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, not to retrudge the three and a half hour joy fest that Avatar was, but I don't know. None was of those. It, was that all it was? <laughs> I feel like I'm still watching it. It literally takes 45 minutes to get out of the jungle for the way of water to start. But the uh, back onto the 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 point. I oh I don't know. Fantastic Four. That it's another one of the the Marvel conversations. You know, it's it's everything in the background always just sounds muddy, messy, and just people don't seem to be getting along like directors want to leave projects because they're not having yeah, creative control it never boards and, well does it when all this no stuff and it, you know, that that was all the these sort of same conversations were, were being had back when dr strange was sort of still in its uh, production phase and you know i think they were very lucky that multiverse of madness came out as well as it did mm-hmm. but still sounded like that was a messy way all the way to the the theater um and i guess fantastic four there's so much pressure around that's been built up now and i think marvel are kind of their own worst enemies because they overhype their own product yeah and i think we've touched on this before where they they overhype it so much that people's expectations are just so high and even if it was sort of a modicum of a good movie or just an average film at best that most studios would be able to sort of get away with. The expectation's so high that even the mediocre is like, cause Ant-Man was okay. I, I, I didn't hate it as much as sort of the critics or even some of the people on the same podcast. Um, no names. <laughs> you know <laughs> who you are. They're not here to defend themselves, but um, they, you know, I didn't think it was that bad, but, because of this overhyped sort of culture with the Marvel films in particular, it's just doomed for failure no matter what happens. And I think just there's so much background conversation going on in terms of, oh, we've got to change this, we've got to change that, that might not meet into the direction we want to go. I, I, I don't know. I It doesn't fill me with a huge amount of inspiration. No, it hope. doesn't. Um, because obviously before Iron Man, Captain America, all the, before the MCU started, Fantastic Four was the household name for Marvel, yeah. them and X-Men and Spider-Man probably to a degree with the arguably the top three names. Yeah. And we've gone, uh, what has it been now? Uh, 15 years without them in it. Yeah. And Marvel has become a behemoth for machine. Yeah. And now you're, they're basically trying to push one of their most famous properties onto a moving train that is kind of buckling under its own weight at yeah. the minute anyway. The fact, and I completely agree with you, the fact that, you know, writers are coming in and out, directors are changing, everything behind the scenes is kind of up in arms. We still don't know who's casting it. John Krasinski says he hasn't been asked. So it's interesting in a kind of skeptical way of... Yeah, and that can't be a good environment to be working in, in any part of the, 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 the machine of Marvel. You know, the higher ups not having faith in the product they're trying to launch in the mm. current state, the writers that probably just feel the unbearable pressure from not only the fans, but the the studios wanting them to deliver the next end game or, you know, infinity war or something mm. like that. And, you know, I guess all the car- us as fans, you know, we, yeah. we want this expectation. So we're overhyping ourselves and we're the one, we're our own worst enemies. We are. Yeah. We're building us. I mean, Christ! This whole podcast is basically a summarization of that. <laughs> we, <laughs> we talk and discuss and overhype these things, and then we're just disappointed. Yeah, we're, but we're, I think we're awful I, human beings. We're awful human. We are, but that's a separate point. Um, <laughs> but we, but we, I think we do that because we we are so passionate about these things. I don't. There, you know, there is another side to fandom which I, I like to think we're not part of, which is yeah. The, overbearing toxic side you know some listeners might disagree apologies for that um <laughs> but you know we want these films to be good we want these films to be great and we had uh 13 odd years of or 11 years leading up to endgame of high quality what, what i consider high quality marvels there were a couple of you know loose threads in there but generally yeah um 
but it's like we said again how do you keep how long how long can it really sustain itself you know until, yeah until it eats itself and i think it's starting to eat itself and someone and th- this kind of behind the scenes turmoil doesn't you know inspire confidence um but we'll see um you know we i'm always happy to be proven wrong you know oh yeah in fact i'm i'm more happy being proven wrong yeah yeah than uh you know getting my getting my wish fulfilled i think it's very like you say no one wants to go see a film and be unhappy or disappointed i i i I want to go in these films and i want to just be like yes this is the next film that's really going to make my day Um, yeah yeah, it's yeah. Want to keep the positive vibes. Yeah. Let's not let's not and, get in that negative and, world. Yeah, and look, writers can leave projects and other people can come in and it saves it. It can absolutely yeah. do that. But I mean, you look at Ant Man. Edgar Wright left, and Ant Man is the first one. Is fine. It's a it's a decent film. But yeah, and that's not to say that Edgar Wright's film would have been better. It would have been better. Um, but um, <laughs> but. It's hard when a writer comes in halfway through or, you know, halfway through a process, it's hard to then see where the the quality is going to come from, the consistency. That we yeah. Need. Um, I mean, we've, we've all gone through it. You, you pick up, you know, you, you manage something that someone else has been managing for a while. You pick up a role that someone else has been doing for a while just in your everyday work life. Hmm. And half the time you're trying to pick up the pieces and fix the mess that was left before you, before you can even start doing the things that you want to start doing. Mm-hmm. so i yeah it's it's not an easy process and i i i feel i feel for the whole lot of them um yeah well like i say we hope it's we hope it's fantastic pun intended um it will kick off phase six of the mcu christ phase six um uh, it comes out november 8th next year so we've got a while so they've got a while to sort it out whatever they're doing um it doesn't feel like it's that long though november 8th next year well, it's 18 months still working so, on the story yeah yeah so you've got to think they're filming while writing right at this point oh god that sounds messy yeah but this good will, vibes good vibes let's yeah. think about the good things yep yep this six days marks the end of the multiverse saga which will have secret wars and kang dynasty and all that kind of stuff um what we do know is it won't be a, an origin story, so that'd be interesting. So you basically have to rely on knowing who the Fantastic Four are, or which they did with Spider Man. They didn't do an origin story yeah. for Spider Man, but that's because let's face it, we all know. Yes, <laughs> so, it's yeah. Spider Man. Great power, responsibility, responsibility. Um, Uncle that. Ben, um, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's all there, right? Um, so um, I guess without the origin story part, they've got enough room to make the film, I guess, a bit more entertaining, a bit more action packed. So interesting we'll see um like i say 18 months time if you and i are reading our words then i'm happy to do that so that's fine (laughs) um and then we have two more bits of nerd news to talk about sticking with marvel for the for this one is the trailer for the secret invasion tv series which launches on june 21st on disney plus uh we watched this while i watched this today um yeah me too i think it was released today yeah it was yeah watched it uh, this afternoon on my lunch break um i quite enjoyed it to be honest, yeah, me too. I'm me too. quite optimistic about this one. Um, obviously, it, you know, the vibe I got it felt uh, whilst it's very um aliens and that sort of stuff, it kind of gave me uh Winter Soldier vibes, yeah, it did, like it the really espionage did. type thing, and yeah, that's that's the sort of um, I mean, that, that is arguably the best Marvel movie, yes, uh, arguably. We yeah we I mean we've had this discussion on this podcast about Marvel films. I don't think we've actually ranked them yet. We sh- we should do that. That'd be an interesting discussion. Bring yeah. your best Marvel movie. Um, but Winter Soldier, I think the four of us would agree was definitely up there. Oh yeah, has to be if not right at the top. But um, yeah, I, I definitely know what you mean about the Winter Soldier vibes. I feel like it's a bit more lo-fi marvel then yeah even though it's the subject matter is aliens you know and it's yeah it's the secret invasion i mean totally different title there's something about marvel picking um like event level titles of comic books like secret invasions totally different to what this seemingly looks like yeah um but i i it's you know samuel jackson's back in the foray and that's awesome because he was always one of the highlights in the original sort of Marvel mm. first few phases. Um, and Samuel Jackson's just a badass actor. 
You got Amelia Clark. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Amelia Kobe Clark. Smolders back as Maria Hill, which is Olivia great. Coleman, isn't it? Yeah. Making her MCU yeah, debut. They've got some big hitters. and um, Ben Mendelsohn's back. Ben Mendelsohn's back. Martin Freeman is in it. Uh, Rhodey's yeah, in Cheadle. it. Don Cheadle. Kingsley Benadir, who is a fantastic actor. If you've ever yeah. seen One Night in Miami, oh my God, he's so good. <laughs> um, he's he's the big bad in this one. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting because other than the, the scrolls and it, I, I'm, a, I'm assuming a super scroll with the, the one with like the Fantastic Four-esque stretchy arm power bit at mm-hmm. the end. I don't really know the plot, which is nice because you kind of get a lot of the, the story given away in trailers mm-hmm. these days. So it's, it's nice to not really know the full ins and outs of the plot. Well, I can I'm... give you a very brief synopsis if you like, or you can, or, or you can save it till June twenty first. <laughs> for, for, for the purpose of the pod, I'll say yes. You don't have to; it's fine. No, no, no. Go for all it. right, for all it. right. So Nick Fury, for it is he, uncovers a conspiracy for a group of shape shifting scrolls to infiltrate Earth in positions of power around the world, and recruits Everett K. Ross, Martin Freeman, Maria Hill, Kobe Smulders, and Talos Ben Mendelsohn to stop it and save humanity. So it doesn't I'm, give too much away. I wish you hadn't told me that. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, uh, no, I'm joking. I, uh, I've ruined I, it for you. <laughs> it's all gone. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. Um, it, it does sound more like uh, boots to the ground, sort of low-fi sci-fi. Yeah, especially after Ant-Man, Thor, Doctor Strange, you know, yeah. these fantastical, crazy adventure films. It sounds really like what they need. To be honest, yeah. they need to kind of get the, the the boots to the ground, really lower the playing field to something a little bit more, you know, like an alien invasion. Mm. <laughs> Which is, I know it's crazy to say, but you're not wrong. <laughs> but not, not, not like a multiversal battering. Can we not just have the... something simple like aliens? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it, 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 I, yeah, it, it sounds it sounds very promising. And it's it's mm. it was always one of the the projects i was quite keen on um because it it sounds more like true shield Mm. or like whatever the state of shield is these days kind of espionage bit of sci-fi a little bit of spy work this that and the other it it, it sounds interesting i'm I'm here for it yeah I, i really want it to be a good project well, I think this could very well be our next one or one of our next 10 minute talk series yeah, yeah. of this um, before Scott Pilgrim, which will also be another one of those. Um, I'm hoping. Time. Yeah. So um, I'm excited June 21st, which will come around quick. It's only a couple of months away. So um, if you haven't caught up on your Marvel yet, now's the time. Um, so, yeah, that's the second last piece of their news. And then on to. Uh, the switching universes now to DC, we have finally been treated to a, a trailer for Blue Beetle. Which yeah, it came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. And we 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 had decided all our nerd news earlier today. And then <laughs> we suddenly got, oh, no, we definitely have to talk about this now. So yep. this came out of nowhere. So, yeah, Blue Beetle trailer. Again, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. It, it seemed... It's very colourful. Yeah, th- that is exactly what I was thinking. Um I don't very, know very James Gunn direction looking. Yeah. I know he's not directly involved, but I feel like he's. It, it kind of looks. It's got that kind of palette, you he's know. Vibes to it, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if he's had a, a, a word in some years or whatnot. But <laughs> so we need a wash of color throughout you, this. Yeah, use your brush, man. Use all yeah. the colors. <laughs> Just Control A, wash of color. Yeah, you know, that's for the job. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I mean it. I, I can't. You know what I got vibes of. Power Rangers, yeah, yeah. It kind of, it yes. kind of gave, it kind of gave me Power Especially Rangers vibes. The sword thing at the end. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, mixed with, um, oh, what was that movie? It was like the the last. Oh, it's the kid, the Navigator. The, the the kid gets into a spaceship and he. Flight of the Navigator. That's the one. Yeah, Flight yeah. of the Navigator. Yeah, yeah. That it kind of gave me Flight of the Navigator vibes meets Power Rangers, and then. A little bit of Iron Man with the the morphing of the suit, but that's mm-hmm. that that is Blue Beetle. But I guess in terms of what we've seen in movies, that that kind of made me feel a bit reminiscent of Iron Man. Yeah, 
the trailer made me laugh a couple of times. I thought it was funny. I liked the Batman as a fascist like yeah. right at the end. <laughs> yeah, and the nice, nice little Easter eggs of the original Blue Beetle costumes. In yeah, hundred well. um, percent. And and yeah, I think I like I like the idea of him morphing into a suit because normally when we see superheroes get their suit and morph in, they're alone. But he was surrounded yeah. by his entire family. Yeah. Like, he's just freaking out completely. Um, so I think if it hold, if it carries across that kind of humor and kind of good feel good vibes i'm i'm all i'm all for it i think it's going yeah. to be interesting so for those I think who don't... it reaches out to another demographic that kind of haven't really had much representation in in that sort of um that genre at the yeah. moment so I, I think it's it's nice to get that kind of that genuine level of diversity mm. rather than um you know trying to a hundred percent adopt yeah. a culture allow that to sort of really yeah. be at the forefront Hundred percent, yeah, totally agree. And I think as well, it allows DC to branch out into that sort of light, more light-hearted kind of yeah. film. Like the Suicide Squad, the James Gunn one was a bit more like that. But obviously, yeah. DC has a habit or a reputation for being a bit on the darker side, and sometimes that's you know, it's too much for cons- to have constantly. So I think this yeah. will give it a nice balance. Especially um, at the end of the day, they're comic book characters. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm I'm the first person to say that I, I love my serious dark comic books, but at the end of the day, they're wearing tights, running around, you know, flying around, whatever they're doing. Yeah. You want to have a good time. Exactly. Yeah. Have so, fun with it. Yeah. So for those who don't know, uh, Blue Beetle is, or is, uh, real name, uh, Jaime Reyes, uh, is a teenager who gains superpowers when an alien Blue Beetle scarab grafts onto him, forming a powerful reconfiguring exoskeleton around his body. I, that's where I guess the Iron Man similarities come in, but I think outside of that, it kind of becomes its own thing. And like, say yeah. there, there was definitely a, there's definitely a Power Rangers vibe, hundred percent. I thought the exact same thing watching it, but nice. I'm kind of still, I'm all for it. I think if we can kind of get that kind of, like I say, feel good, enjoyable vibe that you know things like Black Adam hasn't given us, even though it's tried to, <laughs> it really hasn't. It was shockingly bad, um, but. Um, if he can give us that, then great. You know, I think Shazam obviously tries to lean into that lighthearted thing as well. Maybe yeah. To, maybe to not the extent it probably could. So maybe this will be something a bit more in that direction, which would be great. Yeah, yeah. More, more of that, please. I think I think we're in a yeah good spot. I, I haven't seen Fury of the Gods. I've heard mixed things. Mm. I like Zachary Levi. I yeah. know there's been a bit of craziness going on with what's been behind the curtain stuff in that. But... um. Yeah, I, I I'd like this to be a, another positive project. I I like Blue Beetle. I, I've liked some of the properties he's been involved in beforehand. Mm-hmm. Um, young Justice and animated. I'm just all on the animated. Yeah, like, and yeah, Young Young Justice was a great storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with uh, Blue Beetle involved, and he had some of the most prolific arcs in that, um, particularly yeah. towards the sort of second and third seasons. So um, yeah, good character. I think got a lot of promise. And it's so good to see another a, 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 a different DC character get put in the I guess feature film spotlight because yeah, obviously not another Superman. We, back yeah, back. and look, great characters obviously, but you can only do them so many times before people start going. You know, I've seen this. I've seen this. You know, I know yeah. Matt Matt Reeves did really special things with the Batman last year, um, but by and large, what we've seen from DC has been kind of a churning of the same kind of stuff so to have something fresh like blue beetle kind of similar to when and i don't like to compare the universes but i'm gonna um is iron man came out 2008 iron man wasn't a big name and now is one of the probably the biggest name in marvel and probably now thanks to that film blue beetle could i'm not saying it'll be iron man level but it could be the kickstart of a brand new phase for the DCU where it yeah. moves forward with new characters and then the other characters can be peppered in later on. Yep, I 100% agree. Good. Carry on, DC. Keep up the good work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's nice to see a Batman, uh, not, a, not a Batman film. Let's talk about Batman film. Yes, let's talk about Batman <laughs> Yes, we are here. That was all we had for our news. Uh, there was a lot there, but there was a lot. There's a lot's happened recently, you know? Yes, um, yeah. I've always got to be careful around this time of year as well, because I was like, is this real news or am I being April fooled here? So <laughs> I was like, I had to double, I had to verify a lot of this. Um, um, but that was all our nerd news for this week. Now we're going to get into our main event. Yes. So we're going to talk about 
the latest DC animated movie, which was released uh, last week, which is Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham, which is based on the three-issue comic book miniseries that came out in 2000, 2001. I think it went over that year. Um, The Doom That Came to Gotham is a 1920s-based tale that finds explorer Bruce Wayne accidentally unleashing an ancient evil. As you do. As you do, yeah. Day in the life for Bruce Wayne. Um, (laughs) Expediting his return to Gotham after a two-decade hiatus. The logic-slash-science-driven Batman must battle Lovecraftian supernatural forces threatening the sheer existence of Gotham, along the way being aided and confronted by reimagined versions of his well-known allies and enemies. Now, um, this is a very, for me, a very different take, obviously, on Batman, the setting, all that kind of stuff. But before we get into all that, I guess, the nitty-gritty, what do we think overall? Uh, uh, I think it was 86 minutes long, this film. Yeah, Um, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it was a it was a nice tight animated movie. Very, yeah. I, I think maybe was a little slow to start, but when it did get its uh, find its footing, I think it yes. really picked up quite quickly. Yes, yes. I, um, I, I I I agree. I feel like um, maybe the first ten fifteen minutes or so could it, it feels like a bit like okay, when's it going to kick in? When's it going to kick in? And then yeah. eventually the film finds its feet, and you're like, all right, I'm in. And yeah, know, yeah. It's, then it's enjoyable obviously it's a it's a very like i say unique style for batman or his universe or the gotham universe um but we enjoyed it yeah no very much so i think it really uh, i think the point it actually picked up was when he first donned the suit Mm. as soon as he popped on the suit it's like okay cool we're in now because that was a good moment because that was when all the bombastic stuff and i i I like the vibe i like the tone it's very very mike mignola um, yes yes <laughs> i mean it seems like he has certainly got a penchant for the uh the tentacles maybe a little <laughs> bit of a hentai fan uh-huh. um <laughs> he, lo- he loves his ho- uh, lovecraft um, he does he does love his lovecraft but uh no i think this this he wears his um inspirations on his sleeve and it, it seems to bleed into all his products um but th- this i feel that very mike mignola but it had uh, great art direction. I think. Uh, I think Richard Pace is it. Richard Pace is the artist. Troy Nixie. Troy, Troy Nixie. Nixie the that's Dennis, the one. Yeah. Dennis Jenke did the uh, the inks. Um, but very inspired by his uh, his own Hellboy works. So, you know, very tonal. Yeah. I mean, it's very Batman. Mm-hmm. But it's very yeah. very dark darks and sort of stark color palettes. You know, very like almost dual tones. And I think. Uh, yeah, I think the the, comic, uh, the animation really sort of picked that up, and I yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Yeah, I think the animation really suits the setting as well, because obviously this is set in a nineteen twenties Gotham prohibition yeah. era. You know, um, it's a, a, a used the phrase already, but a, a lo-fi version of Batman. You know, he's not got he's not got all the gadgets that everyone would know him to have, um, yeah. but he's got versions of them that are clearly, um, you know. Were uh, early prototypes, I guess, of things you would expect him to have that, um, you know, obviously are restricted by the science of the time. But he's obviously yeah. a bit more advanced than what everyone else is using, which is um, still gives you that kind of vibe that he's he's. I mean, he's a super clever um, man. You know, he's not just um, you know a guy who beats up bad guys. He's very smart, and that's. Um, Obviously, a big angle for Batman is not just his fighting ability, but he's the fact he's a detective. He's smart. He knows how to work things out. And I think the way they kind of did that within the, like I say, the earlier setting, 1900 setting, was really clever. Um, yeah. And the the reimagining of just the Batman canon in a, so you're seeing characters you know, but in a very different way, in a very different light and obviously they're portrayed slightly differently but they are still inherently those characters and i don't think it ever sacrifices anything like that i don't think it ever makes compromises on things we know to be true about batman regardless of time but still manages to tell a really unique story if that makes sense and it kind of has um his other story quite influencing as well with uh, gotham by gaslight Mm -hmm. um you you can you can tell he was sort of in that steampunk era yeah or (laughs) His era of writing is like, I'm really into, you know, steampunk vibes. Get yeah. Batman a steampunk yeah. vibe. 
but th- this this lent a lot more into the the Lovecraftian side of things. Yeah, um, I could imagine Batman just walking around in steampunk goggles and a leather jacket. Be, <laughs> I mean, that'd still be pretty badass, to be fair. But I I I did like the uh, the, the 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 character twists as well with say like the Penguin, Killer Croc, Talia, yeah. Rachel Ghoul, even Two Face. Yeah, Poison um, Ivy as well. She's in yeah. there briefly, too briefly. Take, yeah, take some very uh, significant creative liberties with the characters. And I, I think that paid off, to be honest, for it. And I think it lent to the story quite well. Yeah. Um, you're right, though. Poison Ivy was criminally underused. Yeah, and like you, there's there's obviously there's Batman films that have used a lot of those canon canonical characters before. Obviously, Long Halloween does it. It has a lot yeah. of characters in there. Um, obviously, the um, I guess the twist on Mister Freeze in this one was a bit unique. Yeah. Um, then you've got um, you've got Green Arrows in there. You know, Oliver Queen, and then you've got Kirk Landstrom, who is Man Bat, which I always find hilarious. Even yeah. <laughs> it's just like. We need another character. What do we call him? Um, we've got Who's Batman. Batman uh, man, Bat. Man, Bat. <laughs> He's more. Is he more Bat than Man? I don't know how it works, but <laughs> but um, yeah, I really like the twist on the characters. Obviously, Talia Al Ghul, who's very important to Bruce as a character. You know, if you've ever played, even in the games, you know, Dark Knight Rises, those kind of things. Talia yeah. is um, probably. For those who've just seen Dark Knight Rises, probably don't know, but Talia is obviously much more canonically important to Bruce than she, yeah, she's ever been huge. depicted on screen. And this isn't this doesn't do it in the kind of I guess relationship they normally have, but obviously there's a she she's still very important. And to have her front and center as a character was very interesting to see because I think the Dark Knight Rises didn't really do her justice as a character. No, no. Um, it that, do, that was it, like a little it, it didn't do much. twist, wasn't it? It didn't do much justice, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get to the Nolan debate at some other point. Um, <laughs> but um, it was nice to see Talion, obviously, Raj Al Ghul, those kind of yep. characters. I just, it was, it was just really fresh because obviously you'll know better than anyone reading these characters inside out. You've seen so many interpretations of them over the years, different comic books, different writers, different artists. To see yet another, I guess, fresher interpretation of them. Yeah. It's always nice to see. Yeah, like very, very, very different, but still, and fresh, but still very reminiscent. Yeah. You, know, you, you didn't get confused as, oh, who's that? Who's this? They still had their their core definitions, what those made those characters, those characters. But there were heavy, heavy influences of other vibes, like, um, you know, Raish and Talia typically with the the league of shadows or the league of assassins to be kind of more um mystical and i yeah. guess with th- there is an element of the mysticism side of things because rachel ghoul's father he's i think he's called the immortal or something along those lines he's very sort of more in that mysticism side of things and just the lazarus pits in general are very mm-hmm. sort of magic orientated but to have them a little bit more in that uh sort of lovecrafty and demonic type spirituality side of things was quite unique yeah and Ra- rachel ghoul kind of gave me very much rasputin vibes from hellboy <laughs> yeah yeah um mm-hmm. whilst talia al ghoul actually felt more like the antagonist throughout the whole film yes um which she, was yeah which i was think quite so. good yeah i think um yeah i agree the i guess the supernatural element of this is also something you don't see a lot of in batman obviously there's a there's characters who have you know crazy powers or crazy abilities or crazy you know quirks to their personality but it's usually always grounded in some sort of reality whereas this kind of obviously with um you know etrigan and stuff like that it's um it definitely takes on a more of a because because obviously when batman's in justice league and he's with superman you know that's when stuff becomes more fantastical he lives in a world that isn't purely based in reality you know there are mythical things that happen to him um but generally when it's a batman on his own there's not there's not so much of that but it was interesting yeah it was interesting though that this kind of went no the other way and it basically took him took him out of his world into another an an, an other world i guess and it's very fish out of water and yeah yeah the, the 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 strength of the story that it it put him in a footing that he wasn't, I mean, it's even in the, the synopsis, you know, man of science, he mm. always tries to justify it. And throughout the, 
the film he's trying to justify these things as science and not religious yeah. and these things and then it's it's his ownership of that is how he actually mm. manages to overcome it yeah because um, like because like i say things like say court of owls has a it has a supernatural element to it in that there's this thing happening outside that he doesn't understand he doesn't know how it's yeah. working and they live in the shadows and it seems like there's something going on but actually it's it's just actually grounded somewhere else whereas this yeah. just goes full tilt that way so yeah. I, it, it was good i enjoyed yeah. it yeah it was Very good to see so. that um any any bits we didn't particularly enjoy um i think maybe for me obviously we spoke about the first few first 10 minutes or so takes a bit of stepping into um yeah. i feel like as we've again already mentioned some of the characters were maybe a little underused so poison yeah. ivy is literally like here i am done my bit and i'm at what exit stage right and literally yeah. literally walks on walks off <laughs> in the scene it does her bit um obviously very important bit but um yeah i just feel like some of the characters is an 86 minute film so obviously you're not going to get everyone yeah, in but it could have just expanded slightly a bit more yeah i i, I feel this i think to be honest we're in the same boat because i think the beginning whilst it it tries to introduce certain characters um particularly like dick grayson and uh kylie kylie kane mm-hmm. um, I, who i i think is uh sort of a, a, a an amalgam of different characters I think kind cassandra, of more, kane. cassandra kane yeah, yeah. um and I, I feel that they, they spent time with these characters, but at the same time, Dick Grayson in particular was kind of throwaway. Yeah. Um, and even his death and Sanjay, both of their deaths seemed... Sanjay quite... Todd. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you reverse Sanjay's Jason. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. But I'm clearly stupid. I didn't realize, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It's, but... it, it's only because I read it after, and I was like, Sanjay, and I looked at it, and it said... And if you revert it, it's jason todd i was like oh right that's why they've done that okay fine uh, so there you go um, well, there you go i mean died another death but yes. it, it just felt uh, they were two characters that were from the beginning and then even their deaths felt kind of rushed mm. but i i guess that was in the the nature of the beast like you say it's a, it's a short movie they've only got a concise amount of time they can get to that um, and I, I think they did what they could with the characters, and I think it was justified in a sense. They, if they had to trip them something, more so the the opening to it. So let's get into the fun action side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I'd, I'd very much agree in terms of few characters a little underutilized, a little bit over over long at the beginning before getting into the pace of it. Yeah, yeah, agree. Um, but I feel I feel like. I feel like we're not nitpicking, but obviously there's just certain things that, you know, didn't quite gel as much. But I think overall, we it's a, it's a really tight animated film, like we said, really good, really enjoyable. I think for me, some of the highlights were, I think, I think generally it's animated really well. Really yep. enjoyed the animation. We've already talked about the setting and the vibe, you know, um, in a sort of older uh historically i mean uh batman setting which is really refreshing to see i think it does a lot of things and like i said takes a lot of the stuff we already know and turns it on its head and makes it really interesting um the action's pretty the action pretty good and everything sort of from that 10 minute first 10 minute period on really steps up and really becomes something really uh exciting to watch um the the voice acting i think is very on point I really like the voice. I don't really think there was anyone stood out as not delivering a good performance. I no. really enjoyed that. Um, obviously, very always hard to not hear Kevin Conroy's voice as Batman. Yeah. Um, but given, obviously, obviously they need to try and find a new, I guess, voice for the project as a whole moving forward in a different setting. I feel like it was a good... It, generally good but for me it was just it's always personally hard not to hear it <laughs> yeah. so um i think, I think uh that the, the fellow, i think it's david uh Gantilli. Gantilli, yeah i think he i think he did a he, he did a good job with the material mm-hmm. um like you kevin conroy is my well my batman just yeah. in general yeah yeah the the voice you hear when you see the page when you, you see an animated character model mm-hmm. of him but um i think i think the this fellow did a damn good job with the material. Um, one one of my standout voice performances is actually Oliver Queen. I think he had a lot of fun with the role. Yeah, he um, was great. 
and I think <laughs> Christopher Gorham, he was amazing. Yeah, and he he had that particularly when you sort of hear a little bit more about the backstory, particularly how he and Bruce Wayne are sort of uh, relate like how their histories have collided in the past in terms of their families meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, there's a good duality between that sort of lighter, more fun, carefree side to then when he, he sort of gets to more of the serious performance side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, despite the fact not really doing a huge amount in the film in terms of sort of pushing the plot forward that much, I think he was a really standout character for yeah. me. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think that uh, the Oliver Queen character probably was, I guess, the one who made the most impact over the 90 minutes, um, for sure. Um very good, very well performed, uh, like you say, and really kind of brought that character to life and has some very obviously important moments in the film, which we won't spoil. Um, but um, yeah, I think I totally agree with you. I think it was a it was a great performance. Um, another standout moment for me was um, right at the end was the line, um, my friends have a habit of dying, um, yeah. which I thought was great. I was like, that's <laughs> such a killer send-off line. And yeah. he just gets his, ah, uh, it's so good. Um, just stabs him with an arrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, obviously, there's going to be comparisons to other Batman animated movies that, you know, yeah. have been out for the years. Obviously, Mask of the Phantasm, Killing Joke, all those kind of things. Obviously, Mask of the Phantasm is the pinnacle, I think, or up there at least. You know, and oh, there's shadow of doubt, yeah. And 100%. there's um, this obviously best one in the world doesn't reach those heights. It's and that, but that's a, that's a high bar to get. But I still think, and when if you wait, this this is definitely worth watching if you're in any way a fan of Batman of animation, yep. DC, any any of those boxes, if not yep. all of them, ticked here. It's a, I, I think, yeah, hundred percent. I think it's a great Elseworld story. Um, I think that, frankly, I think the Elseworld stories are really uh, an opportunity for not only the creatives to have a bit of a, a wild time animating and things like that, but I, I, I guess it, it takes the shackles off a little bit mm. and allows you to be a bit more unrestrained in terms of creative choices, story direction. You're not tied to any continuity um because this was tethered to nothing which i think allowed it to stand on its own Mm. and whilst everyone knows batman's history in some form or another you don't have to take any of that you you could watch this not having ever watched anything with batman and take it on for what it is and just be like yeah that was a good movie that was a fun time yeah because i think at its core it's still quintessentially batman and it's still there while it is in a you know a unique frame for batman it still has all the hallmarks you'd expect so for fans and like you say non-fans who have never i guess delved into that else else worlds or animated batman and maybe just stuck to live action this is this is as good a place as any to sink your teeth into and get started yep 100 so i think what we're what we're rating we give this but i broadly good yeah, broadly good for definite. Yeah, broadly yeah, good. Broadly good. So, yeah, Batman, the doom that came to Gotham. Um, well worth your time. Well worth eighty-six minutes of your time, to be precise. Um, yeah. So go and watch it. One question I do have before we do go on the Elseworlds: If there's a another Elseworld adaptation, what would you like to see? I know what I have. Oh, you go first. Well, I think I gotta say, Red Rain. Red Rain would be good. Vampire. Basically, Batman versus Dracula, but dark, kind of the same sort of Victor. Well, more the Victorian era sort of vibes. Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Yeah, that's cool. Red Rain would be good. Um, I'm just looking for the the titles now. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I put you on the spot there. No, it's fine. There's some that stand out to me that I just want to see how they would do it. So, like Batman versus Batman Tarzan, you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, ba- Batman Houdini. Or- how does that even work? But you know, Batman the Batman versus Predator would be good. Batman versus Predator. There you go. That's my answer. Batman versus Predator because cool. Fair enough. In my opinion, in terms of what would win it be Batman at top, Alien, then Predator. Um, <laughs> And that's 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 my canon. That's canon for me. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd go with. Um, maybe they'll make it. Hopefully they do. I, ho- I really hope we they do. They can't this. now, sadly, because Marvel owns or 
Disney owns Predator now because they were Fox, weren't they? And Alien. Oh, they can pay them. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Telling me they would pay for that. Fair play. Everyone wants to see Batman fight Predator. Everyone. <laughs> that is true. It's a damn good comic. Yeah, uh, uh, I I actually haven't read that three one. Of them. I need to I need to get that on my list actually. So more fool me. Um, but that is all the time we have uh, this week. Thank you, Toby. It's been really good nerding out about Batman. We don't do it nearly enough. In no, my opinion. not not nearly enough. Um, but we will soon at some point. We'll figure it out. We'll figure out some reason, <laughs> some neck, some <laughs> some reason for us to talk about it. But we'll get there. We'll find um, a way. Uh, and of course, thank you to all you wonderful listeners that tune in and listen to us blabber on about comic books and nerdy stuff every week. We really do appreciate every single one of you that listen to our episodes. Um, please remember you can listen to us talk about all other kinds of nerdy stuff like the latest Marvel releases, what's happening with DC, as well as all other kinds of weekly reviews and news on a whole host of nerdy stuff. Um, you can join us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on SoundCloud. You can um, find us on Twitter and Instagram at the Phantom Zone Podcast. Um, so, and please tell your friends, like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. But until next time, thank you for listening, and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>